Welcome to Real Life Horsemanship, where we go behind the scenes of the horse industry and talk to equine professionals about what it takes to make it in the horse world. Today we're welcoming Hannah Catalina to our show. Hannah has been training Mustangs and competing in Mustang makeover events for the last 10 years, and she's hosted clinics all over the world in Liberty Training. Hey, welcome to the Real Life Horsemanship podcast. I'm your host, Ava Falcon, and with me today, again, of course, is our other host, Anna Wilson. And today we have a really exciting guest. We're pumped. It's Hannah Catalino. Super excited to have you. (laughs) Yay! I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) I also, it's partly selfish just because now I get the excuse to talk to you, so over the phone, which is always fun. <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> and I'm so excited to get to meet you and pick your brain a little bit. Yeah, it's always great meeting new connections, old friends and new connections. It's like what the horse industry is all about. Absolutely. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> Anna was like, okay, get me up to speed on our guest today. And I was like, yeah, Hannah Catalino, she's done clinics like all over the world. And by all over the world, I mean like, Australia, New Zealand, Europe, like all over the world. So, but before we get into all of your amazing international adventures, um, tell us how you got into horses in the first place. What was that like for you? Yeah, I I wish I could say horses were my favorite animal from the start, but believe it or not, fun fact, my favorite animal growing up was orcas or killer whales. Uh, like my favorite movie in the world was Free Willy <laughs> and you know, outside of like outside of um, you know the whole empty the tanks and you know all of that I used to really want to be a whale trainer okay. um, so I think the training was always there like the desire to be hmm. uh, involved in that and then the sure. liberty training so to me you know these you know animals so huge that you can't have a rope or whatever on um, and seeing them perform and do things. And I grew up in San Antonio. So SeaWorld was, you know, something we went to Mm -hmm. all the time. Right. Uh, So that was something that actually initially really got me uh, maybe interested in the training in general and like relationships beyond um, like forcing animals to do things. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. But as that quickly kind of dissipated, um, wasn't really realistic, uh, for, for me, a, a childhood dream. Um, but then, you know, horses are right there with it. So, um, I loved, uh, drawing horses and, um, I didn't have horses growing up. Uh, I was, I mean, I guess I was a little bit like I was 12 years old when I did get my first horse, but I still feel like I missed that, like, really little kid age where you're fearless and you just do crazy things on horses like that I, I didn't have mm-hmm. that uh, but a little leery of like falling off and things like that by the time I got um into horses and mm-hmm. even then um even then my um like I I wasn't really into riding a whole lot uh so I was showing miniature horses cool. uh, the I didn't know that that's so fun yeah um so like I had dabbled a little bit in reining um but like the minis and that's also what got me more into liberty and trick training is because you don't ride your mini like I taught her to drive a cart and things like that Hmm. um but 
yeah, so I just had to find other ways to have fun and appreciate um, my horse. And uh, so that was really uh, an interesting way to get involved, um, you know, with horses initially. But then I was watching a YouTube video because I was trying to come up with ideas to train my mini. Uh, and I stumbled across this youth competition, um, which was a 100-day uh, Mustang challenge for kids. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing because they're essentially doing what I was doing with a mini because it was in hand, uh, but with a wild horse. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, that's the neatest thing ever. And that became like one of my ultimate goals to do. And the decision to do that was life-changing. I'd say so. No <laughs> kidding. I had no idea about the mini. So I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on that. <laughs> I feel like minis are the way to go also because they probably cost like considerably less to feed. I oh my gosh. And I miss like buying the little bell boots and like <laughs> yeah. the little sisters. Like that was the most fun part of having a mini. Like I miss having a mini just to do like the little horse shopping stuff. It That's was a lot so of fun. Cool. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to let Anna pick your brain next. Oh my gosh, the pressure. Um, <laughs> so I, I mean, I haven't met you before now. I don't know a whole lot about your story. What's your professional life been like since college with horses? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, I kind of have gone like all over the place. Um, and like, so I mean, starting from college, I went into internships and so doing that was huge. So one of my mentors, I was kind of in a spot where I, I was struggling with confidence um, mm -hmm. for the longest time. I didn't really believe in myself and my abilities, which, you know, at the time, like I was already competing uh, prior to college um, and doing, you know, uh, pretty successful, um, even being self-taught um, and like still struggling to, to have that confidence that I really needed. So getting mentorship was huge. I was able to get my confidence mm -hmm. um, with my mentors. And then they also, you know, really inspired me because you kind of get, I mean, there's so many directions in the horse world that you right. can go. Yeah. And I kind of was still trying to figure out like, what is it that I want to do? Like, I know I want to do something with horses, mm -hmm. but like, mm -hmm. what direction do I go? And, you know, I spent a lot of time at a training barn um, with, like 40 horses in training, all all breeds, like Wormbloods, Mustangs, Gypsy Banners, Frisians. And like, that was really wow. cool because it gave me experience like working, like horses I wasn't familiar with, but I still was in the area of familiarity as far as with the Mustangs. Um, and that connection was because of my involvement with Mustangs. Um, mm -hmm. But that was great because I mean, I could have easily said, I mean, which I personally love the gypsy banners. Like they just are such mm. quirky and fun horses. Uh, I could have easily said, hey, like I want to be a gypsy banner trainer or, you know, hey, I really want to be a warm blood trainer and do dressage or whatever. Um, so mm -hmm. that barn was really great for giving me a lot of hands-on experience. Um, but personally, I just decided I didn't like the training barn wasn't for me. Uh, mm -hmm. That wasn't what I wanted to do. So then mm -hmm. I, you know, kind of collaborated and uh, met up with another trainer who was more of the traveling cl clinician type. And okay. uh, even at the time, I wasn't, I was like, you know, this is great. I like, you know, being there to support somebody else. 
but I had no plans of being a clinician at the time. Um, I was like, man, you have to have so much patience because now not only are you like teaching, uh, you know, mm-hmm. horses, you're also teaching people. And yep. uh, I mean, that's a whole nother like realm in itself. So um, yeah, I, I kind of avoided the clinician life for a very long time. Um, what ended up changing things for me was I, um, I went, I decided to go to New Zealand to learn how to gentle wild stallion. <laughs> and like, honestly, like it, it was a, it was a big like risk. I feel like, because I mean, the flights weren't cheap. The workshop wasn't cheap. And I'm like, what on earth am I doing flying to New Zealand to learn about wild horses? Like we have plenty of them in the U S right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and like, it was so nerve wracking. I never left the country before and I'm flying there by myself. And it was like a nerve wracking experience to land in New Zealand and like realize that I was cut off from everything I ever knew. Um, yep. You know, I didn't, you know, initially before I was connected to Wi-Fi, like, yeah, there was just, I had no contact with anybody and that was a really scary feeling. Um, but like, again, that decision also changed the course of my life. Because then when I was there, they realized, um, you know, initially I kind of went there as a participant, but then uh, they were like, they really liked the methods and the training I was doing. And so I ended up co-teaching the workshop, which ah, then. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was a confidence boost and like people that I really respected and admired uh, were like, oh yeah, like this is great. Like teach us and, and teach right. everybody else. And um <laughs> Also, kind of the crazy thing is uh, someone in Australia um, saw that I was going to New Zealand and like a week before I flew there, she was like, uh, she was like, hey, I see you're coming on this side of the world while you're over here. Would you be interested in teaching a clinic? And I was like, oh, no, I'm sure I won't be any good. Uh, I've never taught a clinic before. I, I'm happy to give you references of other people. And she's like, no, 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 I'm sure you'll do fine. And uh, so, yeah, all of a sudden I had this like opportunity to go to Australia as well. And uh, at first, again, like I was like, oh, my gosh, like New Zealand's safe, like I felt like in Australia, like everything wants to like kill you somehow. Like, <laughs> like between, <yep>. snakes, <laughs> right? Spiders. And, and, yep. and so again, I was kind of like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know. Like I, I'm a little adventurous, but I don't know that I'm that adventurous. Um, and then, you know, I had helped people in the past, but I hadn't really uh, made the leap to like having paid clients. Um, so that was really nerve wracking. Um, but then I went ahead and said, hey, like, you know, these opportunities don't just come up out of nowhere. Like I need to take advantage of them. And so I went ahead and decided to go through with uh, teaching my first clinic. And then after that, people were like, oh, you're teaching clinics now. And like, I was fucked <laughs> up pretty fast uh, just from that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of crazy and uh, kind of a whirlwind. It wasn't exactly what I was aiming to do, but um, some of the, sometimes the best things happen unplanned. I guarantee mm-hmm. it. And wow. I mean, there's just like a million things I want to talk to you about. But before <laughs> I get into all of the millions of other things, I do want to go back to how you talked about you went and did some internships that really kind mm-hmm. of like were amazing educational experiences. And that's something that like on this podcast, we really want to talk about because finding a good fit for an internship can be challenging. 
And especially for young people who don't necessarily have like a lot of connections in the horse industry naturally, right? Um, can you just speak to like what kind of advice you might give, what you looked for in an internship and what you might tell someone to watch out for at the same time? Any of those questions, that was three questions in one, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, yeah, so I think there's like, you have to go into it with like, I, I and even now, like when I go and collaborate with other trainers, um, which I'm in Mississippi right now, like I try to not make unrealistic commitments. So I'm not going to say, hey, I'm going to come here for six months. And, you know, a weekend, like, I'm so homesick, like, I can't imagine. And I mean, there's phases, it's okay to be homesick. Um, like, but sure. you don't want to set yourself up for failure, you know, you want to be able to maintain your commitments. So, you know, making a realistic commitment, like, hey, I'm going to come out here for a month and see how I like it, and then reevaluate how long I want to be here, or say mm. three, you know, three months, I feel like three months is a good time that gives you enough time to get over, um, you know, especially if it's your first time leaving home. Uh, three months gives you enough time to you know, get over that homesickness or leaving, sure. you know, people or horses or whatever uh, behind mm -hmm. and really give this new opportunity a chance. I feel like a month, um, you know, is is a little short. But I mean, if that's what works for you, then, um, you know, you can always reevaluate. It's better to, you know, say too short of a time than too long of a time, in my opinion. Um, and then, I don't know, like, I, I feel like it's really important not to judge uh, be, like be really critical of like training techniques and things like that. Um, instead, like try to figure out why that, you know, you feel what works or like why that wouldn't work for you. Um, you know, I, I don't know, like the horse industry to me just feels so uh, in any industry it can be pretty cutthroat as it is. So like, sure. things <laughs> okay. <one another. laughs> uh, you know, being kind of supportive of one another and um you know, I think that has so much value versus tearing other people down, whether it's another intern or a trainer or, you know, a right. client, um, you know, so I think, you know, just that collaboration um, is is really important. Um, yeah, what was it? What, I don't know if I. No, I think actually oh, you, I think she answered all three, which I'm surprised. Yeah, probably. <laughs> No, I'm, I am curious, um, when you have been looking for mentors or internships or anything, what's been like your top priority with a trainer? That's a uh, good question. Yeah, that, that is a really good question. So I actually started like, uh, like made a list of like people that, um, you know, have really influenced my work and people that I spent some time with. And they were all people that I met through doing the Mustang challenges. Um, so for me, like, you know, it doesn't matter, like how, you know, just finding something that people are, um, you know, where you can make, make community somewhere, um, in the horse world. So my community is the Mustang community, but then that branches out beyond that. I mean, the horse world's pretty small. Um, so, you know, in, in within that, I mean, I really focused on people that, um, you know, really I aspired to learn from like genuinely it wasn't just that they offered me like I've had people offer me hey come here uh if you'd like um but I didn't feel like you know I don't know like I just didn't feel like that was something that not that I couldn't learn from them but that wasn't what I wanted to learn so that's mm -hmm. you know being 
being aware of what it is you want to learn and it's okay to not know in that case you know just go and try it um and again that's where the short commitments are nice um but like for example like i really admire um uh, an inventing trainer who's also in the Mustang world. And I think her work's so amazing, but I know I have no desire to really event. So like for me that, that you know, even though I admire everything that this person does and like, right. I would, you know, secretly, like partly like really like to spend time with this person. I also know like what my personal goals are. Um, right. And I don't, and mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, waste time because life's so short. Like I wish I could learn everything there was to horses, but you can't. Um, mm-hmm. But also, to waste her time in putting all this time into a student that long-term isn't really committed to to the discipline that she teaches so you know you want to be kind of aware of that as well mm-hmm. I love that I think I know exactly who you're talking about because <laughs> I'm obsessed with her <laughs> pretty cool um, not to be. Hannah This is my next question. I'm kind of going out of order, but that's fine. We're just going to go out of order. Um, Let's talk about confidence. So you've competed, and I want to talk about this in the context of competitions too, but just in general, you, you were talking about like when you went to New Zealand and you did your first clinic, like you were still sort of in that mindset of like, I don't know if I can really do this or if you should really pay me to tell you how to do that. You know, like you were kind of still trying to get like a hold of your confidence. And can you just like give us, how did you do that? And how did you do that? Because I know you in real life and you're such a nice person. So like, and I, I do see your confidence. Like I went last summer or fall and watched Uh, a day of one of your clinics which was so cool and (laughs) like you are very competent at what you do you're very confident but you're still like such a nice person so how do you have that confidence in one hand and still not you know and still be this like nice person in the other like how do you do both that was like five questions (laughs) good luck (laughs) first first of all thank you very much um I, I, I don't know. Personally, like I keep going back to the Mustangs. The Mustangs really shaped who I am so much. They're so humbling, like so humbling. I got really mm-hmm. lucky, I feel like, with my first three. And then I got three really, really tough ones. And that was when I was, you know, when we knew each other in school. And I just realized like, oh, my gosh, like, and again, like I was already showing and doing things uh, pretty successfully. And then these three really tough Mustangs made me question like, I knew nothing. Like, I felt like I knew nothing. Um, But, you know, and that's a really, it's a really uncomfortable spot to be in. And, um, you know, I really sympathize for anyone who's struggling like that because I've been there. Uh, But the bright side of that is if I kept getting those easy horses, I would have never grown as much as I have. So those really tough horses made me realize, wow, like there is so much left to learn. And so that's when I started reaching out um, and doing the mentorships um, under other trainers. And uh, I mean, from there, you know, cause I still struggled with my confidence um, for a long time after that, even, I mean, that's why it took so long to, you know, actually take paid clients and, and teach the clinics. Um, after that, you know, once, you know, I got more, you know, committed 
in the horse industry itself. Um, I think a big part of that was um, finding uh, finding people kind of in my same uh, area of interest that were also where I was. So finding peers um, or people that I also admire that then treated me as like an equal because you can get caught up in being like an intern forever. And like right. that's, you know, there's a time and place for that. Um, but then you don't want to like stay there forever either. So then finding um, people that, you know, again, treat you as equals um, is is huge in, in the confidence. And then also moving out of that intern stage. Um, so like, I don't know, like someone that I was watching uh, or, or listening to um, in an audio book, they had mentioned um, you're kind of like the average of the five people you hang out the yes, most with. I have mm -hmm. heard that. Yeah, me yeah. too. And I can't remember like where I heard it, but um, like essentially like you want to surround yourself with people that, you know, are going to push you to be better. But then like, I also feel like if you're always like, I don't know, if everyone's better than you, then if you struggle with confidence, that can also make you feel that you're less than. Um, so finding that balance of like, have those people that are pushing you to grow, but then pay it forward and help other people along the way. So I think mm -hmm. having that um, balance of, you know, people that are also uh, being inspired by you also helps. I love that. That's so interesting. I yeah. love that you said pay it forward too, because I feel like that's such an important message for the horse industry. Yeah, I mean, I, I just know like I wouldn't be where I'm at if people didn't help me along the way. So like I try to always remember, uh, you know, you know where I came from and things like that, uh, because it is so important. I mean, we all started somewhere and that's you know having sympathy and understanding and not being judgmental uh to, or towards other people because we've all started uh from somewhere not knowing anything and uh, like I just think that's so important you know even as one you know continues to learn and evolve as a trainer uh just remembering uh, yeah that yeah I love that hmm I'm going to let Anna ask the next question too again. <laughs> I can get carried away. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. I have to stop myself. <laughs> and I'm quiet. So she's constantly like, say something. I'm like, get in there. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm really interested in your training methods. And I'd love if you would talk a little bit about what you do. Yes. Yeah. So I, um, I guess the best way to describe my work is uh, I work with wild Mustangs, but then at the same time, I specialize in Liberty training. And so I've combined okay. those two things by gentling wild Mustangs at Liberty and also starting horses at Liberty. Um, so essentially what that means. <laughs> it's just mind blowing to me. I'm just like, I mean, my hat is off to you. I just admire you like crazy, but sorry, keep going. I did not mean to interrupt. No, no worries. Uh, yeah, so like what that means is you. So when somebody adopts a Mustang from the Bureau of Land Management or BLM, um, they can opt to have a halter put on or not. And mm -hmm. you know, I've done it both ways. Again, I'm a big believer in trying other methods and techniques. Um, and I'm not gonna say like there isn't a time and place uh, for different tools. I'm all about like learning 
um, because, you know, the more tools you have in your toolbox, the better, um, because there's going to be horses that don't fit, you know, the box that we try to put them in and the norm. So, you know, trying new things is definitely very important. But outside of that, like the ideal circumstance that I like to gentle horses is that I don't have a halter or anything on, which means I can't just walk up and train them like mm -hmm. normal. Um, right. So everything starts with body language and um, getting the horse to, you know, understand uh, cues without there being a halter on. Um, so my horses are learning to trailer load for the first time at Liberty. They're crossing obstacles mm. at Liberty. Wow. They're learning to pick up feet and saddle at Liberty. Um, and then, Amazing. I don't know, I guess. I guess it's kind of backwards, but then I graduate them into tack. So like they graduate into the halter and then they graduate. Well, actually I start with a rope around their neck. So instead of I'll get them crossing obstacles uh, at Liberty first, and then I'll put like a neck rope on and teach them to give to the pressure um, with the neck rope. And then I'll graduate <laughs> them into the halter. Uh, wow. But same thing when I'm starting them, uh, I'll, graduate them into tack so their first rides are totally bareback uh without any headgear um again wow this <laughs> like, is like my ultimate goal i want to be you when i grow up <laughs> sorry hannah we're just yeah. fangirling in the middle of your comments <laughs> okay uh, so now we're at the part where you're riding unstarted colts that were wild horses Without tack, any gear, just for uh -huh. the listeners, like, just so we're very clear, Hannah gets on these horses with <laughs> nothing on their heads for the first time in their lives. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. So, like, I mean, obviously, like, people think, like, why, like, why would you do that or whatever? Um, but to me, I'm going back to, like, what's most natural to the horse. So, horses actually communicate visually. Um, they don't, like, grab each other's tail and, like, lead them around, you know, like, so they're not physically pulling each each other um like we would with the halter so the idea behind it is i'm going to use body language and visual mm -hmm. cues and then work them up because then they have like something to fall back on as to oh this makes sense to why mm -hmm. i should give to the pressure um yeah. and again not to say that the other techniques um don't work or uh you know don't have their place either like i'm always like eager to learn all kinds of different things uh, but to me like it's just been like for me, it's been the easiest way to like show them, like give them this process that is most natural to them. So, um, you know, getting on their back isn't natural. And, you know, so to just be me and the horse, um, it's just a little bit less for them to think about. And then as they prove that they can handle more and more, then I start adding more and more. So, yeah, wow. that's kind of the idea behind it. Um, so but, cool. <laughs> but I also admire, like, I, I don't know, like, I don't know that I necessarily consider myself like, like a true cult starter. Like, I don't, personally, I don't like, it's not my favorite thing in the world. Um, but like, 
when I do do it, just because I know how much time it takes and it's such a intimate process. I feel like, you know, it's one thing to be the first person to touch these horses, but then to be the first person on their back on top of that. Um, it just, I mean, it's just such a relationship. You have to get to do it um, the way that I do it. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of fun fact, <laughs> I was competing in a Mustang challenge in Germany. Uh, so I'm the first American uh, to compete in their challenge. Uh, most of it, most, so of the cool. <laughs> most of the competitors are European, which is so amazing to be like competing in a challenge with like people from Spain and France yeah. and Belgium, mm-hmm. Italy, and, you know, people from all over. And again, like I'm such a big believer in like experiencing different things um and learning as much as you can from yeah pretty much anyone um mm-hmm. i went there and like the horse culture is so different i mean i yeah. lived in germany for four months uh learning from them uh or learning from them in a way like you know i just kind of wanted to go for the experience but then i kind of also did my own thing um mm-hmm. but it was kind of interesting so there was people that are are updates of our horses were very public and you know social media can be like a blessing and a curse but anyways <laughs> I was with the first competitors on my mustangs and this is three like three weeks in and like in the u.s that'd be so slow most people are on their mustangs in the first well i won't i won't say the most people most people competing like serious competitors are on their mustangs the first day or two and i'm mm-hmm. always like somewhere around the week mark uh, but the horse that I got wasn't the easiest horse uh, for this competition. And so I was on her like three weeks in and I'm like, and that, for me, that's the like longest time it's taken me to get on one for a ridden challenge. And everybody in Germany and Europe was like, oh, it's too fast. You're pushing the horse too hard. And oh. I'm just, and I was doing, you know, the whole tackless thing. And I'm like, you do realize like, it, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it so much goes into preparing a horse to get on them tackless. And, like, I'm not the bravest person in the world, believe it or not. Like, I'm not going to get on that horse's back if I think they can't handle it. I mean, it, and it was working down for me. That horse, like, really taught me a lot um, because she wasn't one of the easiest horses. Um, but the idea of my leg swinging over really made her nervous. So, um, to make it as like smooth of a transition as possible. I actually put my shoes on my hands and practice like swinging my oh. arm over with the shoe. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> That's so smart. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, she knew the difference if my shoe was on my hand versus my bare hand. So, and that's, you know, people always ask me why I'm Mustangs. Um, and I think they're so aware that like it can be a good thing and bad thing. So they, their awareness, like, I feel like domestic horses can get really dull to people. Um, and you know, we have to get loud with them to say, Hey, pay attention to what it is. I'm, I'm asking you or a Mustang's like hyper aware. Um, and so, you know, that makes you have to be self-aware of what you're, uh, telling the horse. And so, I mean, for me, that's just made like really shaped my program. Um, so that was a, an example of, of that hyper awareness. No, that's, that's so interesting. I just spent the last two years working with fjords and mustangs primarily. And the <laughs> difference between those horses <laughs> is astounding. <laughs> you probably oh guess God. which ones I liked more too. <laughs> 
<laughs> Yours is so much fun. I got to work with one a little bit in my last trip to Germany and she yeah. was so lovely. I'm like, oh, like, I don't know. I can see how fjord people are are such big fans. I mean, they're real cute, but they are so dull just by nature. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Sorry, I didn't uh, mean to take over or anything, but. No, no, it's good. Um, I wanted to ask, I want to make sure that we ask this question because I think it's really important to all of us who are involved with the Real Life Horsemanship podcast. And that is, you know, each of us at different, in different seasons of our life have come in into situations or whatever where we've considered quitting the horse thing. Um, and I just want to ask you, Hannah, if you have, and if you have, what made you decide to keep going and keep pursuing horses? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so yeah, I've thought about quitting all the time, <laughs> like, <laughs> especially like in that, <laughs> in that time that I was, uh, yeah, definitely like before I started my clinician like life, but even afterwards, I mean, it's a tough industry, um, but anything is, I mean, you have to work really hard at it. Um, but for me, like, and it's something one of my mentors told me, um, she was really big into making sure like you had a backup plan. And so like, she had like a whole, uh, like law degree and all this other stuff and she's a horse trainer. And so like for her, she knew she didn't have to do it. She was doing it because she loved it. And so okay. like, uh, you know, having other things that interest you and, and like knowing that you'll be okay if it doesn't work out, I think, uh, is, mm. is really big because then, you know, you're choosing to be in it. Therefore, you know, it just makes it a little, you know, those rough moments a little bit, you know, easier not to say, you know, it doesn't really, you know, isn't, isn't, you know, awful at the time when, when you're struggling with the confidence or going through a rough patch. Um, but you know, just kind of having that, uh, you know, you know, just not putting all your eggs in one basket, I think is kind of the main thing. It's like knowing, you know, you and preparing, um, but then n doing what it is you love and being aware that this is what I love, you know, um, right. I, think, I think that's really important and, and finding the right community. I mean, again, like, you know, I got really involved in the Mustang community and beyond that, you know, I found people that really um, I felt connected to and resonated to, you. and uh, that, that is also really huge. Is just finding people that are your support group, um, and that you can also like, you know, collaborate collaborate with. I mean, there's so many trainers I feel like, or like people that want to, keep, you know, these techniques themselves or whatever the situation may be. Uh, mm -hmm. Finding people that want to teach and want to share. Um, you know, I think it is really important um, because, I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, things can take so long to teach a horse anyways. Like, yeah, uh, I could have maybe been where I was at in 20 years, you know, but had like me spending time with people like made me not have to learn all that on my own. So then right. I fast-tracked mm -hmm. what I knew like into five years instead of 20 years so um you know i think i think that's really valuable um you know finding finding those people and finding that community and then also realizing that um you know you're doing it because 
you love it um, and not because you have to. Yeah. I love it. You have such good advice, Hannah. Yeah. So glad you're on the podcast. <laughs> that was a great treat to be here. So thanks so much for inviting me. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Can we go back to, I'm still thinking about um, you were all that you were talking about with training and everything. And I'm really curious, like beyond like doing your first rides tackless, what do those rides look like? Like, how do you prepare your horse? What cues do you make sure they know before you do that? And what is, what do you ask of them that first ride? Yeah. So my first rides are really boring. <laughs> Everyone yeah. thinks it's like probably this really exciting thing. Um, but, um, I, yeah, so my horses learn to first come to the mounting block. Um, cause I don't have a saddle and I'm not very athletic or skilled to like leap on a horse bareback. Uh, I, I struggle <laughs> with my, like, <laughs> I struggle with my 13 two hand horse. Like that's the, the max I can do. Um, so like, yeah, they have to learn to come to the mounting block first, mm -hmm. uh, which opens up a door of communication. So even my horses that are started, if they're struggling with the mounting block, like that means they're struggling to be mentally prepared to ride. So that gives them us that opportunity to work through some things before I'm on their back. Um, so yeah, they essentially learn both sides, um, to let me mount. Um, I mean, obviously it starts with them just being okay with me jumping up and down. I mean, again, going back to that Mustang that I was training in Germany, she was so good mm -hmm. with me like jumping up and down next to her, but then I got on the mounting block and oh my gosh, mm -hmm. she thought I was an alien. So <laughs> like getting her, getting her used to me being up high, you know, like a foot or two taller was, you know, really important. And it's important for uh, any any horse. Um, so I get them comfortable with that and leaning weight mm -hmm. on them. Um, and then, you know, like half hopping and then hopping and then putting a knee over and then eventually putting a leg over and then I swing right back over. So like they literally see me with two legs on them uh, for like a second and then I take them and I walk them away and then we come back to the mounting block um, mm -hmm. and then I'm dismounting off the off side and that's usually their first sit i don't consider that the first ride um mm -hmm. i i consider forward motion their first ride so then yeah once i get that um i on the ground i've already taught them to back up to a neck rope um so mm -hmm. you know you can use a stick or a neck rope um i find the neck rope just is a little more clear um so I uh, usually get them pretty good with the mounting block and then backing up. And then, because you have to think, I have a, I have a um, mounting block in the way now. Um, so I can't just start asking for shoulders and hips and things like that. I have to back them away yeah. from the mounting block because then things can get pretty interesting if you're on mm. <laughs> a half wild horse and the mounting block, they're stepping on it. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, right. starting to move the, move the hips around then I'm moving the shoulders around and it just gives them without there being a lot of pressure um it gives them a chance to get used to changing eyes already and moving mm -hmm. you know different parts of their body uh but if they get where they don't understand something I just hop right off and I put my whips over their back just like where I would be like if I was riding them um and I show them the answer and show them like so I'm trying to make my change like as many or as little changes as possible um mm -hmm. then I hop back on so it's like no harm done if you don't understand 
I'll go back a step, get back on and try again. And then they're like, oh, okay. Like I understand what it is you're asking. Um, so like, yeah, a lot of it is like writing with the idea of like writing them from the ground. So I'll even to get their first forward motion, um, I'll kind of walk beside them as like behind their driveline. Uh, and for a Mustang, that can be really challenging to have someone so close to them. But obviously at that point, I don't want to try to ride them if they can't right. even have me, you know, right beside them, touching mm -hmm. them all over, you know, having my hands over there, uh, you know, over on both sides of their, you know, neck. Um, so, you know, that's, it gives me a pretty good idea of how those first rides are going to go. Um, mm -hmm. just based on my riding from the ground. Uh, I mean, yeah, for me, first canners bareback are a little sketchy. I don't have the best seat <laughs> bareback. So usually by the time yeah. I'm ready to canner, I put a bareback pad or some sort of mm. saddle on. Uh, just because I, I realized a lot of it like was, you know, my lack of uh, balance and I didn't sure. want to get in the way of the horse. And that's sure, yeah. improved uh, a lot of things. So, I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. I have done like, you know, starting a uh, canter, you know, bareback and all of that. But I just prefer uh, to have a saddle for, for that. <laughs> I don't blame you for one. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would want one too. I would also prefer a saddle in that situation. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, riding my educated, nice older horses bareback is, can be sketchy. So I can't really imagine. I should come yeah. start a cult with you. That's just what I should do. And we should do it how you do it. And then that will be like the coolest learning experience ever. Yeah, I know. I like to learn from you. So we should do like a show me with this horse and we'll have another horse and just like do a collaboration or something. Sure tag team them they won't know what hit them <laughs> they'll be like these two girls <laughs> yeah exactly oh cool <laughs> you beat me to it my next question was gonna be like do you take interns <laughs> yeah so, i'm interested <laughs> yeah do you take interns how do you do that what's that what is your teaching like because you're in mississippi now is what you okay. said earlier right so like where are you at with taking students clients interns hit us Someone wants to ride with you. How do they do it? <laughs> so like, you know, I, I mean, I very much like am a big believer in like in, in practicing what I preach. So I spend like a lot of time on improving myself. So whether that's going on some crazy adventure to study wild horses in Australia and I'm trying to understand horse behavior or, you know, doing something overseas or like right now going to Mississippi um, to learn about finishing horses because, you know, I've done a lot of starting horses in the first 90 days, but you know, the vicious cycle with the makeovers is you get them to a certain point and then you start over with a new horse. Um, so, you know, just focusing like personally, like I try to split my time doing things like that, but then going back to the pay it forward. Um, and, but I mean, also, you know, as a business, you know, clinics and students and things like that is where, um, where the profit is. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I just try to, you know, try not to lean one way or the other too much. I'm trying to always do a little bit of both um, as time allows. Um, so yeah, kind of short answer <laughs> to that is 
right now my I'm still kind of like sorting out my schedule um and so in the past what I've done is I'll do like these liberty intensive clinics at my facility in Montana so what that it, mm. what that does is it allows people to come to my place uh for three weeks or sorry three days um out of a month and then come back the next month and spend you know so it's essentially like three or four clinics over three or four months um and that's a really good way to kind of get a little crash course I send students home with homework and then they come back and continue learning and it's the that's same so group cool. um, mm. and that's been a lot of fun that's honestly been one of my favorite ways wow. uh, to teach and um, I've also done like mentorships of teaching students how to gentle horses or how to start horses um, I mean starting horses is usually something that I require like a bigger commitment on, uh, depending on the person. Um, but the wild horses are also kind of, I, I do like at least, you have to be with me at least a month to do the, the wild horse thing. Um, but it, again, it also depends on the circumstance and person. Um, like I try to talk to the person, see what their goals are. Uh, if they have a domesticated horse or a horse that's already gentle and they just want to learn Liberty, um, then in the past, I've taken people for a week or two um, just to help kind of jumpstart where they're already at um, and get them started with some new tools. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of do. It, it's really shaped to what I have going on and then what the students individual goals are. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So at the moment, I'm not sure exactly like even when I do come home from Mississippi, uh, I don't know exactly like how much time I'm going to be in Montana. Um, so like at the moment, I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm trying to focus more on the online uh, work because hmm. me as one person, I can only help so many people. Sure. Uh, but if I can get more online course material, which I do, um, I have a partner called Steady Horse and I have some courses um, online with, with them. Um, so that's also a really great resource. Um, and yeah, then I'll, I'll focus on doing some clinics probably later on in the year as well. So, yeah. You're a busy woman. <laughs> Very I busy. I try to stay busy. <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, I don't know. Depending on the current training situation I'm in now, my own set of, I don't even know how many horses you have on your own, like, Liberty team now. Is it like five or six? I, I don't know. <laughs> I she can't keep track of how many. <laughs> <laughs> and then, mm. what else? Clinics, internships, lessons, online material. Mm -hmm. Really, Hannah, you should try to work a little harder and get out there a little more. Gosh. <laughs> I'm over here like, wow, what could I be doing more now that I just <laughs> talked to Hannah for 40 minutes? <laughs> That is so cool, though. Okay, so if people want to find more of your stuff, Hannah, where should they go to? So on Facebook, I have a page called Hannah Catalina Liberty Horsemanship. I'll be posting a lot more on as my Liberty team develops and all my horse happenings on there. And then I'm also on Instagram. Uh, I think it's Hannah Catalino. So, yeah, those are great ways to, to follow along and learn more. Yeah. I will. I don't know. 
I know I follow you on Facebook because I Facebook stalk you like every day and your horses, but I don't know if I follow you on Instagram. So that's good. I need to go find you on Instagram if I don't. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely going to. I just double checked with Meg and we are at 45 minutes. So I think we should wrap. Okay. Um, okay. To close this out, we always ask people what's like your Instagram caption of advice? Like two to three lines. sentences. Yeah. yeah. Oh, goodness. Your inspirational <laughs> like, quote. <laughs> in general. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think kind of uh, my advice would just to be like a lifelong student and always be learning. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Preach. Well, it's so cool because Hannah, you like, you live what you say, like this whole Mm -hmm. conversation we've been talking about, like how to be a student, how to be an intern, how to be a professional. And you do all of those things and you set a good example for the rest of us. So thank you. Thank you. That's really, really awesome. And I think it's really cool what you guys are doing, like um, trying to, you know, bring in, you know, professionals in the industry, but then, you know, you guys are also, you know, learning and growing and then again, paying it forward through this podcast. So that's, that's really cool. I mean, because we could have very easily set up a private conversation and, uh, you know, had this really awesome conversation that we didn't share with the world. So I think it's really awesome what you guys are doing as well. well thank you. Thank I've you gotten so, so much. much out of it already. Like I can definitely speak to that. So I was oh, pumped great. for this conversation. I was like, Tana mm-hmm. Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, this, this is really cool. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Life Horsemanship Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to our guest today. And if you'd like to keep up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm.